Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we talk about a bunch of comics that have come out this week. Kicking it off with Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, number one from Marvel, written by Steve Orlando, art by Lorenzo Tamata. This is bring back together the team from the Scarlet Witch title, adding her brother, of course, as you probably can tell. Quicksilver. Quicksilver. There you go. But otherwise, it's a pretty much direct continuation there. Scarlet Witch owns a shop, which is run by Darcy Lewis, who you might know from Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they're dealing with a new threat in this issue, as well as some information from their not exactly father, Magneto, who is currently dead, though also being resurrected in another book. What did you guys think about this? I know we were big fans of Scarlet Witch. Do you feel this held up to that high standard? A great continuation of that series. You know, I felt like uh, when I first saw this, I was like, oh, is this going to be like a whole new thing? But it really literally continues the story from the Scarlet Witch stuff that Steve Orlando was doing. And I just a great command. We've talked a lot about how much we love Steve Orlando's understanding of Scarlet Witch and using that book to sort of recontextualize her, make her this sort of uh, locus of magic, but also like a collector of people who are in you know, lost. Yeah. They're the collection of wow. lost souls and all that. And then you get Quicksilver added here. And again, like the, the iconic take on Quicksilver is back that Peter David did in X factor truly like 20 years ago, uh, where he talked about how infuriating it must be to just be Have a, a speed. No, uh, uh, to be a speedster, famously a brother, Pete, uh, to be a speedster, but having to slow down for the rest of the world. And we get to see a lot of that characterization on display here. And I enjoyed it. Story-wise, there was just a great use of little bits, little twists in here. Uh, yeah, I agree with Justin. It's amazing that Steve Orlando could pick up right where Steve Orlando left off. I mean, it's yeah. almost like it's the same person. I, I was... Uh, Impressed with this book because they've been having a lot of fun and just kind of her like solving uh, one off kind of mysteries and having fun with Darcy. This was really cool because I love the kind of brother sister relationship. I immediately was like, oh, my God, that's so messed up that she burnt the thing before the brother got to read it. I, well, you know, I Anytime we get a cool fan letter, I burn it before you see it. Pete. We get fan letters. <laughs> Yeah, so what? many. He's constantly setting your email on fire. I really like how Lorenzo Tometa draws the title characters of this book. I think they're just yeah. really, I don't know, they can be drawn as generic people a lot of the time. Like, he is a guy with white hair, and she is a lady 
period, you know, and that's pretty much it. She's I, a lady, is what you say. <laughs> no, 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 but I think, like, they look like actual people here with actual bodies that are different from just generic superhero bodies, um, and they are distinct. They are different. I really like the look of the villains as well in this issue, and like we've been talking about, Steve Orlando knows how to write this stuff, so. It's great. Yeah, it, it's a good book. Sinister Sons, number one, from DC Comics, written by Peter J. Tomasi, art by David Lufente. This is actually spinning off of two different books, a backup in the Green Lantern title that introduced Sin Sun, the son of Sinestro, and Neil before Zod, which didn't introduce him, but kicked the son of Zod to the curb and sent him out into the universe. We're getting a collision course between these two characters here. This is obviously, or maybe not so obviously if you don't know, but it is a flip on the Super Sons title that Peter J. Tomasi yeah. did back in the day that was we loved here on the show. Lots ah, of people sure loved, did. brought together Damian Wayne and John Kent for a bunch of Come adventures. On. So I was really looking forward to this. For me, I really thought it met the high standard of that, particularly because of David Lafuente's art, which is very cartoony, but absolutely gorgeous. Um, just really nice flat color, uh, throughout um great stuff yeah i mean i want to talk about the art because to to me this really makes this uh worth it uh the art style mm. is so very cool it's it's weird because i know what Zalbatron is saying by that cartoony there's a lightness that the art brings it to uh but i i don't want to undercut how great the art is by saying something like cartoony or something that almost has a negative connotation I just I think it's such a cool because we know these characters, but by adding this art style, there is a lightness that is brought to it, which makes it a lot more fun and kind of really sets the tone for the whole thing. And it's just so well executed. These two work together so well. It's great to see them kind of revisiting this idea, but putting kind of a new twist on it with these two new characters. I, I just uh, I'm excited for more of this because. Uh, you know, having the kind of odd couple of, uh, you know, Damien and uh, uh, Kent there was just uh, it worked so well. I'm so excited to see what happens in this one. So you're saying uh, for the art alone, it is worth it. That's exactly what I'm saying. Uh, nice way to flip yourself. Uh, the I would I also love the art. It's uh, a little bit reminds me a bit of Adventure Time in a good way. Mm. If they were sort of like mm-hmm. two sort of bad fins coming together. I want to shout out the colorist as well, which I think um, Tamara Bonvillain, oh, which yeah. uh, she really makes it, these colors pop in a way yeah. that is huge part uh, of this. a big yeah. difference maker here. And you know. I feel like the the original Super Sun story got cut off a little early. It felt mm-hmm. like it was it was so good it was still gaining in popularity, but then they had, in other parts of the DC universe um John Kent was being aged up and there was a lot going on. Uh so I think this feels like we got there again and we're getting another Let's- just great Peter Tomasi story. That's weird because uh, at the live show, someone asked us, well, were there any series that you felt got cut short and you didn't bring this up? So it's weird that you're saying it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I guess I'm a liar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a liar. <laughs> now you got to okay. save some gas for the gas and leave some gas <laughs> in the, the tank. Stack. The stack. I, I, I wanted to say the same thing, but I wanted to save more gas for the stack. Yeah. Whatever, Dick Sock. 
Oh, okay. Uh, creep show. New, show. Nick, new nickname alert. <laughs> dick Sock Zalvin. Check it in. Uh, let's not make that a Check thing. him out on uh, Dick Sock. Nope, nope, nope. Creep show. Joe Hill's Wolverton Station from Skybound and Image Comics, written by Joe Hill and Jason Ciaramella. Art by Michael Walsh. This is an adaptation of a short story of the same name that Joe Hill wrote. I. Don't remember which collection it is, but this is about a businessman who goes to a trade in England, is riding it, and encounters some real-life wolves. There's some big differences between the short story and here, and I don't know if you guys have read it, but the short story is very, like, Outer Limits, uh, Mm. Tales from the Crypt, maybe not even Tales from the Clips, but it's very, like slow play, this uptight uh, guy who reduces businesses, a guy who comes in and like fires everybody. I didn't, I'm so like, like the Richard Gear of business is what you're saying? Oh, sure. Yes. Pretty woman. Oh, is that what he does in Pretty Woman? Yeah, he, take, he takes businesses, strips them down, sells all the pieces. Yes. So that guy, he ends up on a train and it slowly becomes apparent he thinks of himself as like a real wolf in business, and he slowly becomes apparent that the, everybody in the trade is actual wolves, leading up to, spoiler, but him getting torn apart at the end there. So it's very this slow-played, subtle thing. So when I had heard they were making this into Creep Show, and Joe Hill was like, it's perfect for Creep Show. I was like, is it, though? Is it perfect for Creep Show? Because well, Creep Show is, is not subtle at all. And... To that point, I would say, even though I'm a big fan of the short story, Jason Ciaramella and Michael Walsh crushed it with this. They made big changes to the story to make it work for the comic book format. It's gory. It's funny. I thought this was great. Yeah, this is why I don't fall asleep on trains, because I'm always scared I'm going to wake up in Wolftown. Mm-hmm. And uh, this <clears> is, yeah, this is a real nightmare. It's uh, it's also done uh, uh, for fun. There's some kind of cool reveals, and it's enjoyable, but it's scary as hell and uh, really well done artistically. I love the Joe Hill tone, and we don't get it as much. We had a nice, like, peak of it a couple of years ago when he had his um, imprint. We had his imprint. Obviously, uh, we're lock and key heads. But when he had his his imprint as well, like we got all of that. We got some books that really carried his tone through, even though he wasn't writing. So great to see that back. Fun story. Enjoyed this. Yeah. And I'll also give another shout out to Michael Walsh's art. We love his stuff on the silver coin. And I thought, yes, you like that. You'll love that here as well. Great stuff. I'll, I'll also give another shout out to Joe Hill. Oh, I'll give a, a shout random? out to Jason Sierra Mella as well. Oh, cool. And oh, nice. Skybound in Image Comics, honestly. Yeah, I'm going to shout out P. LePage, you know, who's always here and keeping it, hey, keeping thanks, it up. Yeah. And I, I want to give a big shout out to my sponsor, Dick Sock. Uh, DickSock.com. <laughs> Got to check it out. One of the best new social media streaming platforms uh, for all your needs, honestly. Oh, Way to God. own that. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, Alex, just to tell you the story. <laughs> just listen to the end un- of, the li- of the live show. In our live show, yeah. Alex unprompted just said the word Dick Sock. <laughs> and then when we were like, when we were like, Alex, why did you say dick sock at the end of the show? He's like, I didn't do that. And he was, we were like, yes, you did. He was like, we watched I, him. I would have to, to listen it. to it again. And he didn't know he did it. I meant to say TikTok, and instead I said dick sock. <laughs> so, so you know, close. that sounds like a mistake, but it's not because those, all those words are different. 
<laughs> They're all different words. It's an honest mistake that everybody makes almost nope. every that's day. That's not that's not what happens. I was in a business uh, meeting at my day job and business. Yeah, business. It was a business meeting, and they were talking about how do we get trending on Dick Sock, and everybody was like, "Is that a real thing?" And they're like, oh, "Sorry, I meant TikTok." So I made you a know. normal Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy well if you're gonna use a dick sock you're probably gonna be thrashing at night just like night thrasher number one from Marvel, written by jay haltham art by nelson danielle this bringing back the classic 90s clap. new warriors to the modern day justin you're a good new warriors head what'd you think about this huge new warriors fan loved the uh comic for many many years the the fact that they um, they're relaunching uh, the uh, the Night Thrasher book, but the thing that shocked me about this is they use all of New Warriors continuity. Like he's coming off the other New Warriors dying, he is uh, was brought back to life after that. Unrelated a silhouette, great character that uh, love from the New Warriors fame is is part of this. I will say. And I, I thought the story was interesting. I'm curious to see where we're going. I like there's a twist in here that I thought was good. The speedball erasure is oh. shocking. There's oh, no speedball on the new real, Warriors team. There's what we're really What happened about. here? What <laughs> is happened? There a penance or nothing? No, penance was never on the new Warriors. He That was a post everybody died speedball. thing. Okay. Speedball was on the new Warriors very consistently. I like this book more than I thought I would, honestly, because I don't have any connection to the New Warriors. Like, I don't really care about the team. Night Thrasher always seemed like a very silly character to me. Like, what's his power? He rides a skateboard. Is that it? And I will say there's not a lot of skateboards in this comic. (laughs) No. Well, that's the thing is that the front story, half of it is like, I'm a regular guy doing regular things. And I was like, okay, so there's going to be a slow build to being Night Thrasher. And then you flip the page, he's like, well, I'm Night Thrasher again. Time to <laughs> thrash some night. And then, mind you, when he finally is thrashing the night, though, the action is very good. The art style reminded me very vaguely of, like, Michael Avon Obig a little bit. There's a bit Ooh. of this to it. Yes. Not going on. I like the villain that's set up here. But the real standout to me the backup story with Silhouette, a character that I have no emotional connection yes. to at all, was phenomenal. Like, deeply emotional throughout. So good. Incredibly well done. I thought that was great. Yeah, Agreed. I really love the backup. And I thought the art was good in the first one. <laughs> there you go. Great. Uh, well, why don't we move to something Pete, that... doing some you... comic thrashing. He's there our comic go. thrasher. I, 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 I was I, like... I I, tr- uh, I don't know, man. I couldn't get. Look, you're the, you're the alien from Mars Attacks for a second there. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, move to something you did like, or at least I believe you liked, Pete. Red Hood, The Hill, number one yeah, from DC Comics, written by Sean Martin, bro, art by Sanford Green. In this title, Red Hood is facing his ultimate enemy, gentrification. Will he come out on top? We'll find out as we continue on Red Hood, The Hill. Over to you, Pete, <laughs> for weather. Hey, thanks. White people are the worst. Uh, yeah, I think that this is, uh, first off, it's got a badass grandma in it. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm already on board. 
All right. That's the first requirement of a good you know, comic. Yeah, a opens up with a badass grandma. I'm in. Yes, I'm. I'm a huge Sanford Greenhead. I think his art is phenomenal. I just think there's such a great kind of style to his art. Uh, anytime he's there, I'm right behind him, going more, please. Yeah, uh, I just think this is great and uh, really enjoyable and really badass. And yeah, can't wait for more. Can't talk about Sanford Green's art enough. It's so good in this. I talked about this when we reviewed the Zero issue, but it's really nice to see Red Hood like doing a good story on his own where he can be a person as opposed to like in the middle of like some complicated you died and we're reanimating you situation or just being like the bad Robin. I feel like he gets to be a whole character here, and I really love that. This one strange thing is that it, it keeps being set just before the Joker War, and I'm like, why are we pinpointing just after, that? right? Or I believe it says the Eve of the Joker War on the at the beginning of this issue. But like, anyway, just playing in that that area. Yeah, this book, this issue opens on the Eve of the Joker War, and it's always tricky to me when you place a book in a in something like that where you're like, ah, that's not happening now. Is a little mm-hmm. bit of a step back, but I still love this book. Uh, I think it's a great great read. Well, the, the hard part is, you know, you got a lot of moving pieces, different artists working at different speeds. You know, you know, ideally, you'd like everything to come out at, at certain times, but unfortunately, you can't. Peter, you, you know? apply I mean, for the, the Batman group editor job that's open right now. They just posted. Nice. So, well, I wasn't, but now I am. There you go. What did you guys do on the eve of the Joker War? How'd you spend oh, it? Gathered man. with family? That's you guys my open Super Bowl. A- yeah. Do you guys I open ta- a present? I talked to my kids. I talked to my kids, and I was like, "Hey, kids, it's the eve of the Joker War." Just so you know. So nice. So you do the old eve of Joker War lecture. Well, we booted up DickSock.com, and we just oh. like went wild. Booted. Don't talk about you. <laughs> do you guys? Kids. Do you guys open then, a present on the eve of the Joker War? Or do you wait till the Joker War starts? Uh, you, you wait for Joker War starts because yeah. if the Joker finds out you open a present early, that's your ass. <laughs> yeah, he literally takes your ass. Uh, if you, he finds it very funny for some reason. If you find this, I'm already dead. Number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by Matt Kent, art by Dan McDade. This is a title that Matt Kent, I believe, plugged to us a couple of months ago, back when he was on the live show, and it is about a journalist who is taken to an alien planet. That is the front line of some sort of war. We don't get a lot of information there. She's going to be writing about it, and everything goes absolutely to shit immediately and only gets worse from there. Um, it is always an event for me whenever there's a new Matt Kid book because he is doing the most wild yes. ideas in comics, I think. And that's exactly what you get here. Dan McDade has also been on a roll with various titles. And one of the things that I really appreciate about the art here is the design of the aliens is legitimately alien, which I feel like. Yes. Yes. Um, I was really impressed and really into this title. Uh, it's it's great. Yeah, I think it, that's a weird sentence you said, um, but it makes sense when you see it because it's you know, we've seen a lot of different versions of aliens and different kind of uh, and this is a cool take on something we've seen a lot of and it's refreshing and and it works really well here. Um, just the the presence of them, it's almost kind of like a, uh, a Jaws kind of horror feel to it where you know they're coming, they're running for their lives. And, it, it, you know, there's this really kind of what I thought was funny moment in the book where, like, 
we're kind of rolling with this one dude. We got the press person and then another kind of point person. And we finally get their backstory. And then you're like, oh, you're toast, man. This is the total red shirt situation. I didn't even realize it. Uh, but yeah, it's really creative and cool. Uh, uh, the art's uh, phenomenal. This is a great comic. I loved how we got to get to know that character um, from his backstory. And then we got to know the inside of the middle of his face yeah. when it was yeah. sliced in half. Because you didn't think you would get to see that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And that's not, I, I, when I, I, I hope I can see that someday, 100%. I don't truly know someone until I see their skin flayed open uh, by a disastrous alien situation. Uh, I, I, I think Matt Kent's work late. How yeah. you how you said flayed with such dramatic flair really bothered me. You know what I mean? Right. Like you've been waiting all day to kind of describe somebody's yeah. open skinned kind of uh, flapping in the breeze. Yeah, you guys have a checklist of words that you want to say every morning when I wake up. Yeah. I'm going to sneak a couple in there. And I'll tell you what, I could cross Dick Suck off because we certainly (laughs) said that plenty. Am I right? Uh, This Matt Kidd, but what I love about Matt Kidd right now is I feel like he's, he's playing. He's having some fun. He's jumping into different genres. This feels like when he started the first like seven to ten pages, I was like, oh, this is like aliens. It's fun. And then it, it, he just knows right when to amp it up and and turn away from the genre he's established and tell a story and get us into a story where we're like, this is fucks. It's, I felt like Bill Paxton. I was like, it's game over, man. It's game you over. You know and it like was. It, it is. You know what I like about Matt Kent is the D is silent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you think you're going to get it, but then you're not sure. Uh, yeah, you and, think he's Matt Kind. Yeah. But he's not. It's he's not, Matt Kent. It's silent. That's not all silent. I say kind. Do you know what I like about Matt Kent? I keep getting older and he keeps staying the same age. All right, all right, all right. Stop. It's not not applicable here. Stop being the worst person ever. It's not applicable. (laughs) It doesn't make make any sense. There. (laughs) Ah, boy. Well, I enjoyed that. The last kids on Earth and their superhero alter egos are back in the latest installment of the graphic novel spinoff series, The Last Comics on Earth, Too Many Villains. Jack, June, Quint, and Dirk face their biggest challenge yet, creating the sequel to their hit graphic novel in a mad dash, puzzle-filled race across Apocalyptia to stop the biggest evil plan in history. Hey, you know what the creators of Last Comics on Earth's evil plan is? Make me and my kids love these books. Seriously, my younger kid is a huge fan of both the Last Kid series and the Last Comic series. It's true. And now I'm hooked too. The whole team has created a delightful cast of characters with some fantastic kid-friendly art throughout that will appeal to readers of all ages. Buy your copy of The Last Comics on Earth in stores today. You can also visit lastkidsonearth.com to learn more. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Night people number one. Got an advanced review here. This is out March 6th. Don't spoil it. From OD Press, written by Chris Condon, art by Brian Level. We'll actually be having Chris Condon on our live show next week to talk about this book. So 
be kind, everybody. Uh, just kidding. Review the heck out of it. Say whatever you thought. Um, this is a adaptation of a novel, I want to say, about a bunch of folks who are intersecting over murderous, horrible nights. Yeah. <laughs> or some oh, fucked geez. up ideas. Right. Yeah, and but- this is... This is like, and I say this complimentary, this is like reading a fever dream is the way I mm. put it. It feels like it feels like how going out in Florida in the middle of a sweaty night feels when you're huh. like reading it as a comic book. It's so I, funny you say that. I was going to talk about the heat and the sort of like uh, the the sweat of this. The humidity in this book is very strong. This feels like if uh, Quentin Tarantino made Pulp Fiction – Except it was natural born killers. Mm-hmm. If he did Whoa. the he did the time dashing and the like fractured storytelling with natural born killers as opposed to Pulp Fiction, that's what this book is. And I mean that as a, a great compliment because this book is it's sweaty, it's fucked up. Uh, you like all these you like to watch these characters do stuff, even though the stuff they're doing is horrifying. Uh, this reminds me of like, uh, you know, uh, the weird friend you had in high school who like uh, had a crazy ass dream uh, the night before and makes you listen to it. And you're the whole time going like, this dude needs help. You know what I mean? Like, this I got is bad a news, really Pete. Fucked up- we're, we're that friend. We were that friend to other people. No. Well, fuck, I guess. But, uh, yeah, (laughs) this is really just uh, insane in a way that's uh, interesting and messed up. uh, And I'm nervous uh, about what's coming next. Well, it's coming out March 6th, so check it out from Oni Press. Next up, The Amazing Spider-Man, number 43, from Marvel, written by Zeb Wells, art by John Romita Jr. This is the penultimate chapter of the gang war, as all the gangs gather in Central Park to duke it out. We are slowly heading towards, I guess, whoever is going to be the new kingpin of New York. I'm still on board with this, but this is the issue that felt a little messy to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if it was just Lionel the chess messy. pieces moving around the board in terms of like, I'm going to be the king of New York or I'm going to be the king of New York. Nope. Oh, now I'm making this move. There's just a lot going on in a very small space. And I don't know. It, it, it's... It wasn't involving me on an emotional level. I wasn't having as much fun as the previous issues, but I still like this loads better than the Spider-Man stuff that's been coming before. Uh, I will speak now. The um... <laughs> you want me to go, bro? Thank you. Thank you for using the formal language that we required yeah. at the beginning of this podcast. And honestly, I think we've gotten away from. And let me just say, for those of you listening, um, we meticulously go through and delete all of our formal language um, in every episode. There's a lot of like, um, I I would like to take the bench. <laughs> I uh, re I give my time it's a to lot be of the petition petition to out. review this next issue first please yes exactly uh for very formal uh the the i like i agree with you alex i like a lot of the moves here it, it really struck me uh, in reading this issue i was like they're fighting in the center of central park right it feels a little <laughs> it's a little public i guess uh, for- I, i'm not in a gang and i've never been in a gang war i don't know if you guys know that mm. but uh this doesn't seem like how a gang war happens to me I don't know. Yeah, they usually happen off of out of the public eye a little bit more. <laughs> this is 
very aggressively. So that part's a little weird. I like the moves that end this issue, and I'm curious if we're going to continue these ideas forward of sort of scrappy New York team. I really like She-Hulk's role here. She's just been like a mainstay. She feels like a Spider-Verse character in a good way. Same with Daredevil, um, Elektra as Daredevil. So I, I hope that continues the I, but I'm ready to move past the like smaller pieces of this and get to the bigger. Like let's ha- give more space to Beetle Tombstone. Madam Mask is just like I'm cool, and I'm like I know, but like say some stuff now. It's your time. It's your it's time with the mic. The difference when uh, I'm reading it is Madam Mask is like I'm cool, and I'm like no, you're not. Um, I I think that this is uh, you know just to kind of back up the truck a little bit and talk about what you uh, guys said before me is uh, you see when you're a badass superhero, you don't have to wait and hide with your gang brawls. You can have them out in middle of Central Park in the in the middle of the daylight, and it's fine because. They're a superhero and the cops can't do shit. So why not take over the middle of Central Park? I think it was a ballsy move. I did want to see more kind of humans running for their lives who had set mm-hmm. up a nice picnic and then maybe had yes. to run away or something, you know, just Legit, to kind of- like just like a one little league team in the quarter there or something. Yeah, it's like, oh, and- dad, came- when you said we could have our game, you know, I, I'm sorry. Um, my insurance company is playing um, kickball against a <laughs> another insurance company here. So, like, is this game war going to be done soon? Or like, did you the reserve this? Did you reserve this? Yeah, because we're doing this. Because yeah, yeah, I don't see you it. on the thing. We yeah, reserved yeah. it a week ago. Yeah. Anyways, uh, amazing art, fun fights. Um, I agree with you guys a little bit. It felt a little rushed and fast forwarded for such an epic battle. But uh, I thought the last panel at least was interesting. So I'm kind of like, oh, I wonder what that means moving forward. So uh, check out more. I will. As long as we can move past this beetle costume, I'll be happy. Uh, yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, we were we were t- talking shit about penance a minute, a minute ago. This beetle costume is that right? Yeah, there. it's worse than that. That's all it is. Yeah. It's it's very yeah. bad. Please move beyond it. Batman one forty three from DC Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, art by Giuseppe Capicoli and Andrea Sorrentino. Pete is wow. had on hand. Penance revelation, an issue. That's amazing. That's insane. What is that coming out of the bag? No, no, that's staying sealed. But uh, you know, we were What's just the, talking about it. It's right here. So uh, I just are figured. you grading that? What's the value you think of that down the road? <laughs> I'm sure Here's the thing down. is it is technically a nine point eight. But if he sends that to the CGC, they'd be like, "No, we're knocking down that at least five grades." Yeah, yeah, that's a five like, top. I believe on the scale of one to ten, that checks in as absolute trash. <laughs> oh man so Sorry, in this Pete. issue of batman we're continuing a batman. flashback and flash forward to the joker year one finding out more about the joker's origin story where he was trained by the same guy who trained batman from back from chip Zdarsky's batman the night that gave us a revised oh yeah we all remember that training regimen for batman and then flashing forward to a gotham city where everybody is batman I really like this arc. I think the stuff that Chip Zdarsky is adding to Joker's origin, I don't know if I need it or not, but it is extremely well done. The future stuff by Andrea Sorrentino. Oh, my God. There are at least three panels in here that I was oh like, oh, my God. 
These are uh, like panels we'll be talking about for years. There's one where the Joker is emerging from the water and I don't know how he did that. Like I, I looked at that one panel for probably a minute, like searching it for clues of how it came together. The next one with Joker emerging with this red cloak of blood. Again, I was like, well, there's your, I don't know, poster image or whatever we're calling it. And spoiler here, but the reveal of Catwoman, who is clearly Michelle Pfeiffer Catwoman. Yes. Michelle Pfeiffer's. Stunning. So good. Uh, agree. Like the are at the Andrea Sorrentino sections of this. And I believe you said in the future, everyone's uh, Batman, Batman's and I, it's actually everyone's Joker. Oh, did I say Batman's? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. In the future, everyone's dick socks. And it, <laughs> oh, whoops. Uh, excuse oops. me. Oops. All dick socks. Excuse me. I have my hand raised. Uh, oh yeah. Wait, Pete has his hand raised here in zoom. Hold on, let's check. Hold on, let's check. Let's go to Pete. Uh, Pete, would you like to make a formal pronouncement uh, to make a motion to speak on this? I have a question. We're going to delete delete this part. Yes. Uh, Okay, good. Yeah, let's, on our editing, let's make sure we get this. Um, I, I just, I want to be able to follow the story, but every time with these, Three stories happening at once. I, I, I'm, I, I can't understand when is what and what is happening. And I'm just wondering, do you guys get this at all? Or do you have like notes well, where you're like, this art style means this time period? Like, how do you keep this straight every well, time we pick up things. this comic? First of all, there's two stories. The third story oh, there's is... There's not ad- three? The third story is ads for other books that they have in the back. I think that's... No, weird. no, there's... There's three stories in this. There book. are not three stories. There's two There's different three artists. art styles. Giuseppe Camicoli is drawing the stuff of the past. Andrea Sorrentino is drawing the stuff of the future. And to answer your question totally honestly, yes, that is how you keep it clear. Because the Andrea Sorrentino stuff is happening sometime in an indeterminate time in the future of Gotham City, when Joker has taken over and turned everybody into Jokers, and Batman has almost given up. The backstory takes place uh, now. I think we're like a couple of months or a year down the road from when Joker was dropped into Ace Chemicals, into the chemicals there, and is now being trained by this guy who trained Batman. So, how do you remember that every time we pick up this comic and immediately go into the action and? I make I have like a post-it notes uh, around my okay. screen. They just say okay. like yeah. Joker's I- I- this. He's doing this. <laughs> I guess is. I guess I would say forty years of reading comics personally. Okay, because yeah. <laughs> I I want to be there. I just feel like my co- uh, my comics IQ is just uh, is cutting me out. Uh, just like your regular IQ, it's, yeah, yeah, it's sinking. Yeah. It is too much legitimately like it is interesting to me that you're having problems with this because this does seem very straightforward to me. But to be clear, I'm not discounting that. I'm curious if other people are having the same experience. What I do is every month uh, with every comic, I read them, give them a little kiss on the forehead, and then tuck them <laughs> in the bed so that I remember each and every one's little special face. Oh, wow. I, I legitimately, like, in all honesty, do wonder sometimes, I'm like, uh, how do we remember any of this stuff? What? Well, yeah, I know. I, I've I've ruined my brain with comics, and I don't know if everyone else <laughs> has made that choice. I, I could not tell you most of the names of the v people in my family, like cousins and things. But I'll tell you, if you, you ask can, me who every all Robin, the Robins are, yeah. 
any drop of a hat. Easy. Wow. I'll tell you yeah, the whole you're, history. Your first cousin is Red Hood the Hill. Number one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, if it's just me, it's just me. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to kind of get that out of the way. I, I, I artistically, this is amazing. I just can't keep track of all the jokers and what timeline is real and what's not. So uh, I guess it's just me, but all right. Thank you. Anyways. <laughs> <No problem. laughs> you act like, Thank you're you like for your hey, time. long time caller. Thanks yeah. guys. I'll take my answer. offline. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and uh, this is my favorite radio station, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> Justin, I do have a question for you. I know you haven't offered your thoughts here, but this is also getting a display. You got to raise your hand if you have I a question. I did say my thoughts. Oh, and I you? like it. Yeah. I don't know what we're talking about anymore. The uh, We've talked a lot about the three Jokers thing that Chip Zdarsky yes. is working back into the storyline. This is a spoiler for this issue, but during the training, we find out that this – I'm blanking on the name of the guy, but the guy who trained Batman, who is now training Joker – taught Batman to do the whole Zer and R thing, to create a different personality in your head. What we get out of that is he trains the Joker to create three different personalities, who are the clown, the... I, I'm forgetting the two other names. But the violent clown, and then the more violent clown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a fair way of putting it. Um, the... Do you think this is Chip Zdarsky's way of explaining the three Jokers, or is this a different thing? Uh, my read on it is that it is that, but I also uh, is that I, I guess what are we doing with it? Because it feels it feels a little a little loose right now, and so like if we could get a definition there, then that's interesting to me. Yeah, uh, but like maybe it's that's strange the problem to me. I'm having is it's a, it's a little loose. But is this coming – has this been always the idea or is this coming later as a defining? Thing? If that is what it is, I think he's fixing it, honestly, that he's like, yeah. no, there aren't three physical different Jokers. It's the same Joker, but the same thing as Batman of Zero. And he's got split personality of of two other people. Yeah, exactly. And I like the idea of combining – I feel like Chip – Chip Zdarsky seems very into Batman of Zero and R and is using that a lot. So, like, to then apply that to Joker makes some sense. But I guess it just with the Zero and R stuff, I'm like, what's the define? What's the final focus here? But mm-hmm. it does feel like what's happening is a big epic defining series of stories in in a good way. We'll so see. you would say it's more of a final countdown or more of a final crisis, maybe. Mm. It's uh, well, Batman of Zero and R famously in Final Crisis. So, um, yeah, all things at once. <laughs> there we go. Great. Well, why don't we talk about an actual Final Crisis? Firepower number thirty from Image Comics and Skybound, written by Robert Kirkman, art by Chris Semney. This is the final issue of this title, where all of the firepowers are taking on the dragon. Pete, you've been a fan of this title all along. How did you feel about the finale? Oh, man, this was so fun. Great stuff. Love the art style. Love the dragon fight. And then the dragon dude who they fight. And then, you know, ended with like kind of an adorable, sweet family moment. So, yeah, this hit uh, checked all the boxes for me. Um, Sucker for a dragon. Sucker for a little heart story. Uh, Love all the action. So this was great. This was... uh, you know, maybe worth the wait. I just had a great time with it. 
It's funny people don't, I feel like people don't talk about this book as a ton. Like Robert Kirkman, Chris Samney, that's an epic team. Yes. Working here. The Chris Samney are, I, we're not seeing a ton of other Chris Samney right now. So this is just a great read. I will say, I feel like they've been fighting this dragon for like a full series of my life. Like maybe a lot of uh, my children's lives. So well, like. Dragons uh, are hard to kill, man. Yeah. Time consuming. But I feel like it's sort of a like. Uh, you flip a switch. Either you kill the dragon, the dragon eats you up. If you rarely is it like, let's go back to round six of Pete versus the dragon. Uh, so they're they're taking their time with it. But I do like this. This book has taken on some like sweet, fantastic four like qualities. I feel like as it's gone. Nice. The Displaced, number one for Boob Studios, written by Ed Bryson, art by Luca Casalinguida. We are following a bunch of folks who live in a town in Canada, if I remember correctly. And spoilers here for what happens over the course of the issue. But a giant sinkhole seemingly opens and sucks a majority of the population. Hate it when that happens. Oshawa, Ontario. Gone. But there's a bunch of weird twists here that we don't know if they're fantasy or sci-fi or exactly what's going on yet. I thought this was a fantastic first issue with really clear concept and intriguing mystery, very clearly set out characters as well. I'm very into this. The crazy old guy knows what happened. Uh, you got to trust the coots. You know what it's Talk like? Talk to it's the like, coots. What's the NBC show with the big sinkhole that takes them to the center of the earth? La Brea? La Brea. La Brea. It's like La Brea, but good. Let me say, I can't believe I knew that. I do that immediately. <laughs> you were right and on. Then, it. That's impressive. a show I've never seen once. That's yeah. that's very. Uh, that's a weird problem. It is brain. your business, so I would hope you would know a general idea of what's going on. Yeah. yeah to be clear, to, Justin's business is tar pits. No, yeah, his no, business I'm, is Hollywood. Not tar pits. Yes. I, I run a lot of the ho- any Spider Man who's on um, Hollywood uh, trying <laughs> to give right. you so, trying to get you he gets to take a, cut a picture of with every pick. That's me. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's me. Uh, yeah, this is a uh, you know fun twist at the end. Uh, I yeah, I thought this was kind of like um, good, but I was also like one of those good where you kind of like you're like as soon as the mom's like no. I'll run and get the diapers. I was like, oh, God. Oh, no. Something's going to happen now. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know. You sh- That's why I've had two kids. I have never gotten diapers. Like, never mm, gotten smart. them, never changed them, never done anything with the kids. Because you know the second you leave, sinkhole. Yeah. Nice. That's how I get you. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I that excuse works. Yet. That excuse works with your <laughs> family? Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, sinkholes, hey, call, man. 45 years. Well, here's so, the thing. Has there been a sinkhole yet? No. That's a great point. And thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> or lack of service. Yeah, lack I, of. I love this. I thought this was fantastic. I uh, I love it. It's almost like a double. There's mul- there are multiple twists in this issue. Yep. They, I don't know what the actual thing that's happening is yet. I don't know what sort of sci-fi or fantasy world we're in. And that's exciting, the way this story is told. Interesting characters. I thought the art was fantastic. I'm on board with this big time. I'm going to call it. I think it's the old guy. He's he's the one doing it. Mm. No, he's lighting the bus on fire to help out. Yeah, that's always helpful. That's how, that's, yeah, you know, that's what you tell your kids. Follow the helpers, right? <laughs> 
Follow the helpers <laughs> into the burning bus. Beware yep. the planet of the apes, number two for Marvel, written uh, by Mark Guggenheim, art by Al Excuse me. This is a prequel to the first theatrical movie and weaving its way through the classic Marvel Planet of the Apes comics at the same time with some wild twists that I was not expecting because I did not yeah. know nothing for backing continuity that happened in this issue as our main characters head towards Yankee Stadium and meet some other humans slash mutants. Uh, what would you guys think about this one? We just want to catch a catch a ball game. Uh, the continuity that you just laid out is a little bit of a, it's a little tricky to understand. But similarly to the uh, Batman comic we just discussed, I think the differentiation in the art styles actually helps a lot um, and gets gets us almost all the way there with the flip and the idea that the of the old looking events we're seeing in the comic are is actually the future for these character some of these characters and um it, the, but the the actual world i i wish we could dispense with some of that continuity stuff and just tell the story because the story i think is good yeah i think this is good art uh i i do not like planet of the apes so this is not uh, something that i why enjoy. don't you like the apes I don't. I don't know. I some about it. I can't get into, and it just it's some kind too, of block. Too much. Room. Too much uh, monkeying around. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. Too much monkey business. I mean, I love hit monkey. You love you love bananas. I was gonna say it's bananas. Good. Yeah. yeah. The art. <laughs> Should we keep trying? Pete, <laughs> we're going to convince you, Pete. Yeah, if anything yeah. I know about Pete is I'm easily it's easy to win him over with my take. <laughs> Talk about a convincible man. He's the convincible Iron Man. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll get out of this costume. You make a good argument. Uh, Action <laughs> Comics 1062 from DC Comics, written by Jason Aaron, art by John Tibbs. This is the second part of his Bizarro arc, as Ooh. very similar to Everybody's Jokers from an issue we talked about several yeah. issues prior. Now, Everybody in Metropolis is Bizarro's. That's something Superman has needed to deal with. Despite the similarity between this and Batman, the fact that I, I like the team, but it was a little iffy about the first issue. I thought this one was great. Just showing Superman pushed to his absolute limit, trying to save everybody all the time. I thought gets to the core of who Superman is, what makes him special as a character. I thought this was great stuff. Uh, Agree. Like I had the same trepidation coming out of that first issue, but this issue, I actually think the first issue was like, ah, Bizarro is annoying to me. Um, and it was annoying me. This issue, I was like, oh, that's part of what I think Jason Aaron is using here. Bizarro's annoying, and it's annoying Superman. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's annoying to us and Superman, so we get to be on the same page there. So, yeah, I thought it was great. And just great. The John Timms art does a great job of just, like, big, broad storytelling. Great detail work on these big metropolis cityscapes where shit is getting bizarroed up. Yeah, I I really thought uh, cool covers, uh, cool last panel reveal at the end. I really love uh, this, and I like the twist so much. Um, Yeah, I I just think that, like, this reminded me of the boys in this issue where we kind of, you know, spoilers, but in the... 
you know, the boys, you know, he kind of, he visions a crowd and we kind of get this, but the crowd is like asking for it. They're like, no, me, me, laser me. So like, it's, it's a kind of a real twist on something that we've uh, seen. So really kind of crazy panels. It seems like, uh, you know, this team is having a blast with this and it kind of jumps through the page. Pete, what do you see Constantine in the comic? Is it just instant like boner or what's the just pure, pure joy all the time? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm uh, I have to, that's why I wear a dick sock because, uh, you know, I get so many boners all the time, uh, you know, when I'm reading comics. Yeah. I knew we'd get to this. Great. The Last Mermaid, number one, also out March 6th. Advanced review here from Image Comics by Derek Kirk Kim. This is about the Last Mermaid who is traversing the earth in a water suit with her axolotl friend, trying to find more water, despite the fact that everything is cracked and broken. I thought this was absolutely a beautiful book. Stunning art throughout. Reminded me... Of a lot of different things. I mean, this is top of mind, but like Scavenger's Rain, we've been talking a lot, a lot on yes. that. Just with people traveling this broken, desolate wasteland that wants to. It reminded them. me of that comic that Justin always made us read. It was like the Remender one, where it was a post apoc world. Yes, and- Low. It reminded me of Low, low. as well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's the flip. It's there's yeah. no water. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was like a Disney villains book. You know, The Last Mermaid, I was excited about what the dark take on this was going to be. Not anything close to that at all. I was very pleasantly surprised. The panels in here are just so epic. Uh, When you're doing like a post-APOC world and you have just such these big sprawling uh, panels, it's really awesome. Really kind of brings you to that world. And I think uh, the art was super type bananas in this and worth it. Yeah, really, really great art. I love the low comparison. That's so good. Um, very like Euro comic uh, vibes as well. I like the way. Yeah, that it's this got a little ended. Euro trash going on. Feels Not like trash you know, a dance club. He didn't say going, trash. Oh, you are trash. so greasy. He didn't say trash. You are so greasy. Get off the coke. <laughs> what? Wow. No, I'm saying like if they want to pull. Who are you talking the to? The comic. Yeah, like get off the That's coke, a, comic. Yeah. Quit uh, uh, blowing coke into your spine. The (laughs) way that um, the flat, the change water as an icon on your laptop. I was like, oh my God. I hear you. (laughs) (laughs) That's how you do. You just ride your E till the end. You're like, I need water. I need so much water. If you probably where they got the idea for this book. So they wouldn't, they wouldn't have an E in your gas tank if they didn't want you to use it, you know? Uh, E stands for easy, I think, right? Yeah. Pretty easy. Just fill up the gas tank, idiot. Let's get easy. Soup. Here we are. Spider-Man number four for Marvel, written by Dan Slott, art by Mark Batley. The cliffhanger of the last issue was Doc Ock. It's once again taking over Peter Parker's body. But, of course, we get a twist and exploration of that here. There's a riff on, I'm forgetting the number of the issue, but the classic issue where Peter Parker finally fought back against Doc Ock in the Mindscape. Um, I thought this was great. This went in some fun, unexpected directions. I'm liking this team up with Peter Parker and um, Otto. It's good stuff. Otto. Otto. We're on a first name. First name. 
Because you're both evil. (laughs) It was like a retrospective on their relationship we got here. And I thought this was nice. The there's so much dance hot's work lately is so much of itself. It feels like it's very much like drilling down so hard on the things that he likes in this case, superior Spider-Man. And I thought it really worked in this issue. Um, uh, A really nice art. And uh, though I am curious where, like, what's this all about to revisit? This feels like you want to have another statement to make on it. So I'm curious what that will be from, from Dan. Yeah, I really like the twist at the end. Uh, I'm excited to see what's going to kind of happen moving forward. I agree. Amazing art. Batman City of Madness, number three from DC Comics by Christian Ward, both on art and writing. This is the final issue of this Black Label series, which has found Batman heading to Gotham below, a very Lovecraftian, evil-powered city that has roots with the origins of the Court of Owls, at least in this out-of-continuity story. This was a phenomenal series. Christian Ward's art is always gorgeous. Yeah, come on. But I think he really, frankly, like dug down in a surprising and new way, which is really hard to do with both Batman and the city of Gotham. I talked about this with the last issue, but I think the use of Court of Owls here is maybe the best it's been since Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder. I was really impressed with this series, really impressed with the use of the villains. I thought this was great. Yeah, I mean, artistically, this is really creative and amazing. I mean, we've seen so many different versions of these villains at this point. To be kind of surprised by Croc, uh, I thought was just so awesome. Cool take on Two-Face. This was just artistically really impressive. The layouts, the page, all the action. It was cool and creepy, but not dark. Like they used uh, uh, tones and colors in a really impressive way. Um, yeah, I just I love this book so much. It was a real fun kind of different take on Gotham to spend some time in. Yeah, really the the neon sort of I think you're saying like it wasn't super dark. It was actually pretty bright, but yeah. sort of up against the dark and really Great, despite all of that and sort of the, the the trippier stuff that you guys are talking about, it still had just great sort of superhero action that Batman was doing in a bunch of just really great panels. So, um, yeah, I also really enjoyed this. Blue Book, 1947, number one from Dark Horse Comics, written by James Tynan IV, art by Michael JT Avon Ford. Oming. This is a sequel to the first Blue Book, which is, forgetting the word, it's not true crime, but it's... Uh, I guess reporting based on alien abductions and other things. Here, we're talking about a spate of UFO sightings that happened in 1947 that kicked off the word UFO. And then we get a backup story about another true life weird reporting thing that happened. Uh, The series (laughs) is great. I, I just think it's like it's a natural extension of what... James has been doing on Department of Truth, but is less story-based and more, here's what's happened. You decide. Uh, it's good stuff. It really makes you want to believe in aliens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you guys and don't UFOs. believe? No. Not really. So, what? like, this... Wait, do you have actually? You been vi- have you been visited? <laughs> no, I haven't been visited, but I definitely believe. You think it's just us. Where are you? How much do you believe? Are you pe- aliens popping by Earth? 
I, I have no proof, but I just feel that like Wait, you be- don't have any proof? <laughs> Hold on. Well, what are you doing on this show? We invited you on this comic book review show to present definitive proof of alien life. I love the comic book proof. Does that count? No. You're Wait, on I guess, this show, Pete. Which one of these comics is brought here from another planet? Poof. Oh, geez. Let me just kind of page through the stack. X-Men comic books. The it's Last Mermaid? This X-Men book. The Last Mermaid, yeah. maybe? That's a pretty good call. Uh, but, so, Pete, you just think that there's there are others life on other planets that we don't know about, like a little bacteria or something. I, I just think it's crazy to think that we're it. Like in the whole giant universe. Uh, that no, no, no. To be clear, like, I think there is alien life out there. I just don't think they've bothered to visit Earth. We Alex, you say regularly and anally probe people or anything. No, Alex, aliens are here and they're trying to get into our butts. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> they're that's what we believe. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. we believe in and our butts are amazing and people would travel <laughs> light years to see them. No, when I'm aliens get in that butt. But aliens Ooh. showed up here. They were like, "How do we find out the secrets of the humans?" Like, well, let's crawl up that butthole and Dude, see what we find. Aliens uh, were like, first, first of all, may I say, "Hamana, hamana, hamana." <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> wow! Unbelievable! Uh, great. We've learned a lot here. Uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> this this book is great, and it really does. Like, it's just really well told. Really, like, uh, the the pacing is really nice. James Tynan is just on a heater for the last, like, year, two years at least. <laughs> yeah. Of just, like, crushing every book that he does. And th- in, in so many different tones and styles. And this is just... A, a a Michael Avon Oming's art really contributes to this. It's like a, a colder, more uh, referential type of storytelling here, but it's no less interesting than anything Yeah, else. and the use, you know, because it's called the Blue Book, the use of blue and the tones and the storytelling mm-hmm. here is just very smart and very well done. It's artistically impressive. Now, uh, when an alien sees wait, like wait. a really good Justin's butt, do you flushing. think they like we gotta wait pulled for out to... their sunglasses? And my and like, boiler's or what? what? What do you think? Pete? Over to you. Yeah, yeah. I think the 80s reference that you made really <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Great. Thanks so much. Fall of the House of X, number two from Marvel. Uh, thank you for supporting me. I really appreciate it. That's oh, Marvel, written by Jerry Dugan, art by Lucas Wernack. In this issue, things are finally going badly for Orcus. I'm sure that'll stick and not change at all. But Polaris has taken a celestial head that is full of brood and is attacking the Orcus space station. At the same time, multiple members of the X-Men are attacking various factions of Orcus to try to take them down for good. It was, as a fan of everything that's been going on here, I know it's going to go wrong next issue, but this was exhilarating to read, even as everybody's like, God, we're really strapped right now. We don't have enough resources. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. Give me one issue where you're up and you're winning. I'm very happy about that. Exactly. Let's wreck some shit. Everyone's at the top of their game here. Very nice to see. And an important thing to do, even if your story is everyone's about to die who you like. (laughs) 
you got to have a couple wins in the air, and this issue was great at that. I'm going to turn it over to our X-Men correspondent, Pete LePage. All right. Uh, so fun Modoc stuff. Uh, I like they're pretending that Colossus did to be a Bob, uh, so that was pretty hilarious. And then Wolverine kind of curmudgeonly is like, I knew this wouldn't work. <laughs> fun. That uh, I'm I'm having fun with those small little moments. The brood, uh, very fun. Yeah, all right. I don't know. Polaris taking a giant celestial head to chomp on the Orca space station and then release an army of brood to take out Doctor Stasis and Modok. That's pretty cool. There's That's a badass. lot of weird kind of decapitated head stuff happening. You know what I mean? You got mm-hmm. Modok, which is a floating decapitated head, and then there's like He's that definitely not one in the box. Ahead. That's a let another issue, but yes, yeah. you're right. There are there is that. Yes. In the stack, there's a lot of decapitated heads, but that's not anything that the individual creators of the issue can control. Why don't we move on then and talk about Green Lantern number eight from DC Comics, written by Jeremy Adams and Ron Mars, art by Amon K. Nahulpen hey, and Dale Eaglesham. After the big revelations of the last issue, we are following up on Hal Jordan. What's going on with his ring? What's going on with the Green Lantern's core? And in the backup story, we have Ron Mars back on Kyle Rayner. Um, I want to go to you, Justin, to get your beat on this issue. And which story were you more emotionally involved in? I'm not sure. Oh, you don't know? I mean, no, you I don't know, know I'm I don't here. Know. I don't know. You know I'm here. I'm here yeah. for the Kyle Rayner. Also, let's not forget we got Ron Mars on it, obviously, but you got Dale Eaglesham back, and mm-hmm. that's just some good stuff uh, right there, uh, bringing it. So like, and, and it's not it, it's not just a nostalgia run. Like there is some forward looking here. Um, I will say the the art t- change on the front story took me a, caught me a little off guard, but. Um, Otherwise, I've been really enjoying Green Lantern. I feel like the the stories and the the fact that we're getting a front backstory have really been working. I like the uh, third story here with the far sector. That was great, and uh, the second story not a third story. That was a part of the second story. Yeah, yeah, I'm having troubles here today with all the different stories. <laughs> I guess so. Well, I, are you yeah, adding I, another I story? I can't. Oh, I know you thought comics. You, you thought that the sweater weather cover was a story all its own with all those superheroes <laughs> oh in there. Sh- little teeny bits. Sign on that and you're like, tell me a story. Tell me there's, a story, Speedo. There's three stories in this comic book. We there can agree not. on There that. are two. There are definitely two. But, uh, I'm counting the backup. Yeah, which is the week. second one. <laughs> <laughs> there's the 80s one where it's all art that is kind of like you know, the Kyle Rayner stuff you're talking about, that's a separate story, right? Right, that's the backup story. That's the backup. And then there's the far sector, which... No, she's in. She's She's in in that story. Yeah. A lot of stories will say, hey, we're starting a story. Here's the title (laughs) of it. I wish they would. I wish they would. It would make my life easier. They do. They They do that. They did, in fact. No, they don't. <laughs> oh no, we broke Pete. I don't anyway, know. Pete is, is broken. This is very good. I do like the. I'm going to have to blow in Pete's mouth uh, and then reinsert <laughs> him so that he can restart. Because <laughs> something's up. There's too much dust in there. 
anyway, I really like the backup story in particular as well. I thought this was a really yes. good Kyle Rayner story and revisiting his relationship with his girlfriend, which is a hot button subject in comics. I thought could have gone wrong, but it went right here emotionally. Dutch number one from Image Comics, written by Joe Casey, art by Simone Gain. We are focusing on a classic '90s character who is now old and called back into action one more time. Based on the Zero issue, I think the, we thought this was going to be a little more John Wick. It's not exactly what we're getting here, um, but I still enjoyed it. I think this is not quite as deep, but also a very much 90s riff like Local Man that we've been enjoying a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I like that stuff. It's fun playing with Image Comics history. Has a has a little bit of a, like a style of Flagstaff, which is cool. I think that ah. when I saw the title, I was hoping it was like a prequel to the Ed O'Neill vehicle of mm-hmm. same name, uh, mm-hmm. which was a great movie. Uh, but I bet um, no one knows what you're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> Not one person. Well, I think this has a real fun look to it, which I really appreciate. I do. I yeah. love all just, the action. Just by the way, we actually have Ed O'Neill here on the podcast to comment. Hey, big, I don't remember that. Wow. <laughs> you could have snuck in your Adam Sandler right there and you didn't do it. That'd be a huge oh, opportunity. Because you were opportunity. like, oh, man, I'm going to destroy with my Ed O'Neill impression. <laughs> and then go, Hey, uh, it's that, great. You know what? I've never heard someone who made an Ed O'Neill <laughs> reference shit on the person doing an Ed O'Neill impression. That's truly the very definition of friendly fire. And you guys are lighting each other up. <laughs> I like this book. This, you know, this reminds me of a comic to make a, a dusty reference on my own. There's a comic called Hard Case back oh, in the wow. day uh, from. Nice. Uh, yeah, that uh, James Robinson, the writer of Starman, yep, did before yeah, he did Starman. And this reminded me of that, sort of an, an older uh, person who's seen it all getting back into the action. And it was great. Vengeance of the Moon Knight, number two from Marvel, written by Jed McKay, art by Alessandro Capuccio. In the last issue Booch. after the death of Moon Knight, the Midnight Mission has been presented with who may be Mark Spector back to life or maybe not. That's the mystery we're continuing to explore on this issue as we focus in on Tigra or Tigra, depending on how you pronounce it. I say Tigra. Tigra. Tigra? Tigra, not Tigra. Why would you say? She's a tiger. She's not Tigra, no. She's (laughs) not the Very bouncy. She does bounce, I will say that. Her tail is a spring. I don't think so. I don't think her tail is a spring. She hangs out with a guy who loves honey. Uh, no, I think you're Moon reaching Knight. there. I yeah, think you're Moon there. Knight. Moon is Knight. Moon Knight Eeyore? Is Moon that... Knight died by getting his head stuck in a honeypot. If I remember. His last words were, Moonlight... oh, bother. <laughs> <laughs> is Moonlight Piglet then? <laughs> the... Let me just say, I thought this was a great uh, this this comic. I'm a huge Jed McKay fan, but this is the one I've had yeah, sort of the most distance from, and been like, "What is the? What are we doing here?" This issue I loved though, like to reframe th- these uh, to tell the story through Tigra's POV and have her talk about the different men she's loved, the different relationships she's had in the Marvel universe, how they always just die, and to use that as a way to look at the resurrection cycle of all these other characters. I thought it was really cool. Uh, really enjoyed this. Yeah. I mean, uh, I really liked all 
the fight stuff, but then the therapy stuff got a little a little more heavy than I wanted to go. It was very interesting and intellectually it was impressive the uh, the choice it was making. I just didn't want to sit in therapy in my comic book. You know what I mean? No, I understand what you're saying, but I I really like it as a framing device. You know, we had it with the last issue with Reese. I think the name of character is. So I assume oh, we'll that's... be getting that for at least the first arc, but. I like that quite a bit. Like, I think that as an organizing principle, as we go through the various members of the Midnight Mission, I think it's very Alex, smart. that's very interesting. Uh, tell me how that makes you feel. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> smart, finally. Yes. I would... If you want to do therapy with me, Pete, I would be happy to do that. Ah, uh, you couldn't pay me to do no, therapy. No, you mean like couples no, therapy, not... No, no, no. I'm saying like pay you to do therapy on me. You want Pete to be your therapist? Yeah, Never oh wow, that. that would be amazing! I just, I just that lost a bet. <laughs> <laughs> Outsiders number four from DC Comics, written by Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by Robert Carey. In this issue, we're getting <clears throat> not necessarily some big answers about the drummer, the most mysterious character on this de facto team, but through text pages and other things, we are jumping and finding out more about. Century Babies and the new Jenny, which ties very specifically back to the continuity of the Wildstorm comics, the authority and other things, including Jenny Sparks. Reading this issue, I was Uh struck by something that I feel very uh, a familiar feeling. I feel sometimes which I'm like, who is this for? And I know Mm. partially the answer is me because I get everything that's going on. But it's frustrating for me to read comics like this because I'm like, really? We're going back to the Century Babies thing from Wildstorm from like 10, 20 years ago? I love this. That's who it's for. why are we not making this more accessible to a new audience like the previous two issues? Well, yeah, I was going to say the other issues sort of moved away from that stuff. And I think when we were seeing – when we were talking about those, we were like, I thought we were doing this whole other Wildstorm thing. And now we're – doing a deep dive back into that. I think maybe it's like finding the range where it's going to be like a one for you, one for me situation. We're going to get some DC store, like straight superhero storytelling, some Wildstorm stuff. And then we're going to find the range where those two things meet. Yeah. Yeah. You got to, yeah. I think they did a great job of making it accessible in the beginning, then go deep nerd cut style and give you some stuff. Only the OGs are appreciating and then open it back up. Like JT Sissel saying, I thought this was a sweet issue. Love the touching ending, you know, cool story. Really enjoyed the art. Well, let's make comics more exclusive. Yeah. yeah, let's gatekeep. You know I mean? People like gatekeeping, right? No, we should do more. I of love that. a gate. Oh, yeah. yeah, I love it. I love you to meet keep a gate. No, nope. yeah, I got love. Nope. I get me a gatekeeper fun. at the gate. Nope. And I'm like, hey, this what's up? Fun. Can I get nope. in? They're like, no, you can't yeah, get no, in. This is no, we could create some sort of comics <laughs> gate, like for comics. <laughs> nope, Alex. No, too far. Too far. Anyway, I did commandment. I did hold on. I just want to say I did think beyond what I'm saying about like the greater sense of it. I thought this issue was very good. I like the text pages. This new Jenny Century Baby character I thought was really interesting. And what Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly are saying is the definitive statement of the century. I thought was 
Very interesting in a political way as well. Blood Commandment number four from Image Comics by Seisman Kondransky. This is the final issue of this book about a vampire who is fighting another vampire while the first vampire is trying to protect his son. It all comes down to this. Um, We've been really liking the stuff that Seisman Kondransky has been doing on various titles. How do you think this title wrapped up? This was gruesome, man. Uh, Amazing art, but it was also like so dark and there was just like the the you know the use of the reds was really cool but it was also like i i felt like an old person where i was like i can't see everything i want to see in this panel i you know so um Jim i don't Lida. know i feel like it, it it pulled me out of it a little bit like the old me was kind of like uh uh, adjusting my glasses. Uh, so I don't know. Um, but man, ar- artistically, it was impressive and uh, very gruesome. I feel like Zeisman Kudransky with this and the previous comic, we've talked about something epic. It's very intimate storytelling. And in this comic, you're really, you're really riding along. I know they use these words a lot with these characters and with our main guy and privy to all of his internal thoughts. This one took an interesting turn, bringing in uh, some faith to the vampire-ness of it, which I thought was interesting. Um, and I, it sort of left me not knowing exactly how to walk away from it, but maybe that's the point. Maybe that's for me to decide. I, I like the relationship between the main vampire and his kid. I thought that was smart. It was interesting the place that it ended it, and just his art is great. Masterpiece number three from Dark Horse Comics, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Alex Believe. Our main team character is getting her team together to do a big heist, but she gets some big revelations in this issue issue about the motivations of the adults. What did you guys think about this one? I thought it was very cool, very badass. I, I love the main character. And I thought the cast of characters were kind of interesting and enjoyed the plot. Bendis, good at dialogue, good at inter intercharacter relationship, and um, I, I do like our our main character uh, masterpiece. Like she's really cool, and I like the sort of following her as she moves through these situations. Thunderbolts number three from Marvel, written by once again Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly, art by hey. Geraldo Borges. In this issue, we are getting the Thunderbolts, or more specifically, Bucky and Shang-Chi versus U.S. agent and American Kaiju, character everybody knows and loves and knows all about. Um, But it does lead to the fun moment that we get on the cover of the issue with an enormous Bucky fighting a lizard Godzilla man. Come on. Fun stuff. Yeah, this is just a fun monster battle. There's some great moments, fun swearing. I enjoyed all the violence. So much swearing. Um, very fun. Agreed. Enjoyed this. The I I like that uh, Jackson and Jackson Lansing and Colin Kelly are really. I feel like using every one of these issues to blow it out. This feels like their sort of bombastic title that they're working on now. And um, I, I guess a Thunderbolts team is coming together at the end of the issue. Like, finally, everyone's ready. And I was like, what? Who? <laughs> we, we just wrecked a city. <laughs> but we'll see. I Hate Fairyland, number 11 from oh, Image man. Comics, written by Scotty Young, art by Brett Bean. Claudia, the uh, arch enemy, I guess, of Gert, our main character, has traveled to the real world. And this issue, 
She gets murdered a lot. <laughs> this is just such a blast. I'm having so much fun. I mean, I laughed out loud at this issue. The uh, spoilers, but the fart noise that happens in this, uh, describing it as, as using the words or the letters burlap. I just thought that was a hilarious noise for a fart. Just burlap. I, I then I just it got me. It got mm. me. What and, did you uh, think about the Taylor Swift Travis Kelsey jokes? Very timely. I mean, sure, yeah. You know, I mean, I wasn't like, oh my god, but uh, you know, uh, the burlap I thought was the real star. I feel like the burlap hit a little too close to home. You know. <laughs> <laughs> felt too real, fella. You know what's the op- like a negative version of being seen? You know what I mean? Exposed, yeah. yeah. Exposed. Well, you usually fart a sack, right? <laughs> yeah, in a sack if I can. <laughs> if I have that later. Yeah, you keep later. your farts in a burlap sack, right? <laughs> Perfect protection. No <laughs> notes. No one's ever <laughs> given me any notes. I mean, Brett Beans are is just. Ah, oh, it's it's such this. Everybody's having a blast in this comic. You can tell. <laughs> Who ordered a hundred burlap sacks? Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. I have a big weekend coming up. Uh, but this is fun. So much blood. The oddly yeah. pedestrian life of Christopher Chaos, number seven from Dark Horse Comics, written by Tate Probel, art by Sue Lee. In the previous issue, we finally got our whole monster squad together and now we're flashing hey. back and getting the revised origin of the Frankenstein in this title along with art by as mentioned Sue Lee who we loved on the Maleficent book that came out recently yes um, yes i didn't know how they were going to continue this book past the first arc at all but i was really impressed by this i thought this was a great reimagining of the Frankenstein story. Um, really well done. Very into the characters. Really good. I agree. I thought this was great and, um, you know, romantic and horrifying in equal measures. And the art really supported both sides of that. Yeah. Uh, I I thought I really liked the kind of Frankenstein situation of it all. Uh, very interesting, cool story idea. I just have a real problem with bar, body horror, so this was kind of a uh, uh, a little rough for me. But you like I Hate Fairyland? Yeah, well, that's a cartoonish body horror. Yeah, in that's a way. body comedy, not body horror. Yeah, thank mm. you. Mm-hmm. Burlap. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun when you say it. Transformers number five for I didn't Comics sorry, Pete, and- just real quick. I didn't say that. <laughs> oh no! I'm glad I'm that's another reason why we have to be separate. Transformers number five from Image Comics and Skybound by Daniel Warren Johnson. In this issue, and this might surprise you, the Autobots are fighting the Decepticons. What? I know. It's a little bit of a spoiler there, but there yeah, you thank you. You know, I know you're having some fun there, but this is the first issue where I was like, oh, fuck yes. They are <laughs> fighting them. They are actually stepping up and wrecking shop. I, the Autobots have gotten savaged every issue so far. Absolutely depressing to see them get to wreck shit. And then I won't say the reveal at the end of this issue, oh. but as a fan of commercials from the mid 80s, I was like, oh, yeah, my guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I, 
no surprise I was losing my mind the whole time. I mean, this is the coolest. I mean, we're we're seeing Optimus Prime whooping ass in this. Um uh I'm a little worried about where he is at the end of it, but man, uh just uh the younger me is losing its fucking mind at the great stuff where excuse me, burlap. Uh but I just the feel that Pete like, is long dead. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. Uh, I I died many times over. But I just think that this is just not only artistically amazing with all the panel layouts and all the action, but like that cover where he's just kind of re it's just there's so much things happening and he injects heart into his work, which you feel in this uh, Optimus Prime, right? When you say he, that's who you're talking about. I'm saying Optimus Prime. Thank you. The creator of this book. Uh, I should say dad, (laughs) uh, just my dad. Uh, His name is truck daddy as we established. (laughs) Uh, And he, we are, he is my dad Uh, at this point, the panel when Carly is falling down. Oh my God, dude. It, it's so good. And it just highlights how precious this and it's only the next issue, right? Where DWJ is on writing an art and then he yep. shifts to just writing and then he shifts to the wind after that. What? Well, we don't know. We don't know. So he is doing hmm. art until issue six. Uh-oh. Then Pete's, Pete's seven now. Sorry. 12, <laughs> Jorge Corona. You gave me no prep on this. Jorge Corona is taking over. Uh, the only prep is the news has been out there for weeks at this point. Jorge you Corona should listen is- to Comic Book Club News if you want to follow this, which Alex has been covering uh, greatly. And honestly, Alex, I've been really enjoying your comedy in that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. that. Thank you Very so much. Good. If you're not you- listening to Comic Book Club News, great five-minute listen every day. Thank you. Uh, that is very nice of you to say, Justin. The Hori Corona is taking over for the second arc of the book, and then Daniel Warren Johnson sent out a newsletter where the language wasn't very specific, but he was like, yeah, I just finished up my inks, really excited about this next project that I'm moving on to. I don't even think he said moving on to. It was just like, I'm really excited about this next project. So everybody's like, wait, what? Are you leaving after issue 12? What's going on? I will say I reached out both to Daniel Warren Johnson and Skybound. Did not expect to hear back in any fashion, uh, but I haven't heard back from them. Um so maybe he's leaving after issue 12 on writing this well. I think so. I bet. I bet he's. Who do you think is going to take over? What's the Hopefully worst possibility? Pete. Brett Ratner. Cobra, Brett Ratner is writing. Cobra Commander. <laughs> Cobra, Commander. <laughs> Cobra Commander on art. Oh, man. <laughs> it's all in blood. All in blood. It's <laughs> on snow in cool. blood. No good. Very Optimus cool. Prime is writing and drawing it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, Wolverine number 43 from Marvel, written by Richter, Victor Laval and Benjamin Percy, art by Jeffrey Shaw. This is continuing the Sabretooth War storyline. We're taking, I mean, I'd say a little bit of a pause. Most of the issue, I was like, okay, we're taking a little break here <laughs> until we absolutely were not taking a break in any fashion whatsoever. Oh, my God. What break? There's no break. Well, you got to flashback to the good old days. The uh, first two Logan issues. Logan and Sabretooth being bros. Yeah, exactly. And the rest of the Sabretooth are like, gosh, what are we doing here most of the issue? And I was like, oh, okay, this is really calming down after the insanity and bloody horribleness of the first two issues. And then, spoiler here, three quarters away through the issue, X-23 won't show up, oh. shut up, so they rip her jaw off, and you oh. see it. 
Oh, so, were you slowed down by Quentin Quire's head in a box <laughs> sending psychic messages? Yeah, none of this is slow. This no, is all. It's I, but I'm loving this. This yeah, is like. More, let's go. It seems like Marvel's really focused on decapitated heads, and it's in a lot of their books. <laughs> oh, and I'm just kind of like, yo, what the fuck is going on? So you know there was I mean? two books this week. But uh, let me say, like, Pete, you you like extremity in some ways, and this book is going all gas, no break at, at the X-Men right now. Like, we're getting full full bore continuity, no no barriers. Like, anything can happen in this comic, and I appreciate that. Yeah, and that's what I appreciate about you. I, I think that this is, um, you know, this is a blast. I'm just worried because the good guys are lo- losing. But, man, uh, this is this is very much enjoyable. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 148 from IDW, written by Sophie Campbell, art by Vincenzo Federici. The turtles are trapped in various points in time, per the classic video game, of course. And mm. are fighting a giant space whale guy, or are they? As we find out on this issue, man. there may be some twists and turns going on here. Pete, go for it. Hey, yeah. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, baby. I love it. This is kind of fun, tripped out, c- cool shit. Uh, love the Michelangelo entrance we got in here. Uh, yeah, there's some crazy ca- uh, characters, but uh, some interesting story. I enjoy the the fact that April's still in the mix. Do you know what I mean? It's good to see April. Hanging out. Hanging out with Donnie. You got right stuff on your oh, arms. Sorry, Leo. The, um, if you are a vampire and you drink instead of blood continuity, this is what you should be consuming. Because <laughs> there's more continuity in this single issue than oh anything God, I've read all week. You can just drink it up. And let me say, like, I don't hate it. I like all this stuff. The characters mm-hmm. are fun, and they're pretty chill about talking about how complicated their lives are. So. <laughs> I do really like the art. I know I said this was the yes. last issue as well, but it pleasantly reminds me of the early days of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah, curious to see where this goes. The Weatherman, Volume 3, Number 2 from Image Come Comics, out. written by Jody LaHoop, art by Nathan Fox. Our Weatherman has discovered... Total Recall style, that he is the leader of this rebellion. And in this issue, he's trying to kind of go undercover again to shut them down or find out what they're doing. Spoiler, things go predictably wrong. I really like this series. I'm so glad it's back. What do you guys think? Yeah. Same. Love this art. Nathan Fox, uh, old, That's old guy. friend of this show. It's our guy from way back when we were making sort of news content for a place called Pulp Secret. On the, the streets of New York, just running around eating pickles. Anytime I walk through around that neighborhood, I think of what young boys we were making content <laughs> back in that those days. Just uh, run around on the streets with the camera. But this book is fantastic, and it's a uh, just great large-scale sci-fi uh, twists and turns, beautiful art. Yeah, it's great to have it back. I mean, uh, just artistically, it's impressive. I love all the action, all the twists and tw- turns. So nice, so fun. Uh, just really impressive throughout. Uh, yeah, I just it was. I was impressed at how easily I slipped back into this. You know what I mean? I was like. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, right. Cool, cool, cool. You know, and uh, I didn't feel kind of like lost, even though it had been a while. Uh, so I was impressed. 
The Ministry of Compliance, number three from Image Comics, written by John Ridley, art by Stefano Raffaelli. This takes place in a world that it has been taken over by very business-focused aliens, uh, and there are resistance elements who are fighting back against them. If you haven't listened to our live show with John Ridley, where we talked about this, please go and listen to it. But, man, I love this book. Like, I, the ideas are so creative and interesting, but yeah. it doesn't hold back from the action at the same time. Stefano Raphael's characters are great. Um, really, really good book. I'm having a good time reading this one. Agree completely and sets up a great thing for the next issue or going, going forward. Cause it, it's not, it doesn't end next issue. It keeps going for a couple so, more. No. Yeah. So great. And this sort of bureaucracy, uh, folk, uh, way of presenting these controlling aliens is really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think this is uh, really well done. Uh, crazy kind of cool fight sequences, you know, talking about how hard killing is and the toll mm-hmm. it takes is cool. Um, you know, and then I was glad it wasn't an actual monkey, man. It was just the mask. So that was a nice kind of like, all right, cool. That's always a worry. Always a worry. Our Planet of the Apes. Bone- yeah. I'm like, are we doing another Planet of the Apes situation? Okay. It's just a dude in a mask. Cool. Our Bones Dust, number three from Image Comics by Ben Stenbeck. We are in a post-apocalyptic world following a young person who is being attacked by cannibal, horrible people, and the AI slash alien who is potentially going to save them. We got a bunch of big changes to several characters at the end here that are horrific and awesome at the same time. So... Are our boners dust or our boners uh, rock hard? <laughs> you had to do that? You had to do that? I did. That's I almost what we did had it to... earlier when you said, uh, uh, I think you said bon- my boners are dust. Did I imagine that? <laughs> you, yeah. Well, we, we, on we, the live show, we were talking about how much Justin loves bone. And so there was some boners. No, sorry, jumps, but I have but, a quote from you where you keep saying, our boners dust. Well, I, I would say that Justin's bone doesn't collect dust because he's always talking about it. You know what I mean? So he's <laughs> the, always bringing up bone, so it doesn't collect any the, dust. The comic <laughs> series bone you're talking about. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly clear. what I mean. When we were younger and all single, would be like, you know what, guys? Tonight, our boners are not dust. <laughs> yeah. The... Let me talk about this comic because I actually really enjoy it. This uh, is the one time where I'm like, oh, wow, having three dudes on a podcast is just, you know what I mean? <laughs> it was a mistake. It was. This mistake. is the one time you think that? Yeah, that's the one time. <laughs> oh, I have thousands of pieces of evidence for you. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. Uh, Our Bones Dust is a great comic. We Alex made a comparison to a television show that I have loved recently called Scavenger's Reign. This, I think, is the most direct comparison to Scavenger's Reign. If you're a fan of that show, pick up this book. It's really well done. There's some great just uh, straight-up fight murders here that I am assuming Pete enjoyed. But I love this sort of tone of this. It is like... Uh, fraught situation sci-fi but there's some comedy to it at the same time and the art is really nice what's amazing is that you brought up a uh, scavenger's reign and i wrote down in my notes like uh amazing ish i thought this was so stylistic and cool this is what i wanted justin's fucking weird show to be like i wish mm. that show was more like this uh you know where it's not as haunting 
uh, and creepy. It's uh, kind of more stylized and cool. So, yeah, I, uh, you know, when it comes to boners collecting dust, this is my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) The Bloody Dozen, A Tale of the Shrouded College, number three, from Image Comics, written by Charles Soule, art by Alberto Menez Albuquerque. Again, Talked to Charles Soule a couple of weeks back, so check out that live show chat with him. Did we talk to him about this, though? We did, indeed. Uh, and this is about a jailbreak on the sun for some vampires. Some twists here that I was not expecting at all. What would you guys think about this one? This is fun and badass. Uh, really cool art. Uh, gives a light kind of a, a funness to the tone, which I really think works well here. But yeah, I mean Charles Soul. I mean, come on. Hey, come Plus, up. you got the you sprinkling a little Kirky on top. I mean, you're you're killing it. Really flip the perspective here, jumping over to the vampires mm-hmm. in a way that um, that I, I was surprised by, but enjoyed. And it feels again like we know the Shrouded College is building towards something much larger, uh, but this is the first issue where I feel like, oh, here comes the build. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. The Deviant number four from Image Comics, written by James Tyne in the fourth, art by Joshua Hickson. We are following a comic book creator who's been interviewing a maybe serial killer from back in the day, while that same serial killer seems to be operating now. Again, some big twists and turns in this issue that really change a lot of what you think about. All of the characters, I think. This is such a smartly constructed series. It's tense. It's terrifying. Joshua Hickson's art and pacing really, really make it sing throughout. What do you guys think about this? Yeah, I mean, this is really fucking scary and creepy. And, uh, you know, I fucking hate serial killer kind of creepiness. So this You hate serial killers? Yeah. I love them. I love uh, yeah, I, I know. I know that about you. Aspirational uh, I, for Alex. Yeah, that. yeah. I'm a little surprised. Right now, just I'm just a into killer. It. Like <laughs> someday, I He's hope to get cereal. You got it. It's a lot to organize. You can have a whole thing. It's it's just a shitty use of one of my favorite words. You know, I love cereal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's my. Well, that's what I do, though. I'm hoping to be called the Fruit Loop Killer because what I do is I hollow people out and then fill them up with Fruit Loops. But I've only done it to one guy so far, so I feel like they'll just call me like. Alex. Crazy, we haven't heard about that yet. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Yeah, you really had that very top of mind. Just saying, uh, this this is very good. To Pete's point, if you know, he's saying it's scary, but it's actually it's a slow boil. Like we only have a couple moments of real horror here. Wow. It's all just leading. It's just great pacing and build. Again, uh, James Tynan, and I, no. I use this word, and Alex scoffs at me, I believe, but he's on a real heater lately, and I think <laughs> this is just continues. I I disagree because it seems like that dude is from the jump. A fucking creepy serial killer guy, and he idolizes. I mean, if you were at a party and a friend was like, hey, let's go outside, and you're like, cool, yeah, why did you want to go outside? And they were like, hey, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer murdered a bunch of people right there. Isn't it crazy? It's just at, at like a story. It's not a story, bro. Well, that's- I, I know you're sort of making jokes here, but I do think that's 
kind of the whole point the book is getting to at is our entire culture or a large chunk of our culture is obsessed with serial killers, obsessed with true crime. Why? Why are we obsessed by that? Why is that something that involves us so much? I will cop to the fact that I 100% am not personally, but I do recognize the fact that that is something that people sit down and they obsessively listen to true crime podcasts and they check out the stuff on Netflix and documentaries and reenactments and everything. You so, say you're not into it, but you came up with that Fruit Loop killer thing like a fucking, like, bone. Right, like, like, no, I'm not obsessed with it, but I did hollow out a man <laughs> and fill him with Fruit Loops. Yeah. And That's I put, I put the milk in his mouth. Like, it was just kind of like, I think, a funny bit. Like, oh, is the milk going to go down his throat into the Fruit Loops inside of his chest cavity? I don't know. We'll find out. That's yeah. the funny bit. You yeah, think that like bit. the detective work in the case is just going to fall over laughing? Like, oh, I there's just, milk I pic- in his I mouth. I picture them being like, this guy is that is funny. Humor. That's how we'll this, track this, him down. This killer nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's but, very. I just want people wow. to think I'm funny. I, w- I wish they would. Yeah. So, You're sort uh, of a jokester. Mm-hmm. You're the jokester in some ways. <laughs> I'm one of three. Now, what do you think if the aliens landed? Do you think they try to put milk in the butt? <laughs> oh man! Of that that particular situation. What sucks is were. like we're so close to talking about one of my favorite comics that came out this week, and we're, uh, and I, I feel like uh, we're. It's never actually crazy. We have to talk about this for five more minutes, and then we're out of time. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy. I know it's crazy. Uh, we're so out of tape. Yeah, we're out of, so we're out of tape. Petrohide <laughs> right number four uh, by Image Comics, are written by Rob Williams and art by Rye Parr. <laughs> no follow yes. up? Go ahead, Pete. <laughs> well, just, I love this comic. Do you I think need the, me to be like, what do you guys think? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thought maybe it seemed like you were done laughing that you would contribute, but then you didn't. We're like robots that sit. We're like Roombas. And they're like, did you say, say well, comic review? Uh, in my dock until Alex says, talk about this book. Well, I like this. It has twists and turns. The art style is just so badass and so cool and so stylized. We kind of have this kind of uh, cool NASCAR badass thing, but they're all robots. And uh, I don't know, man. I love this world that is created, and uh, I hope we get to live there one day. <laughs> you want to live in this world? I want to be petrol head, man. Well, I know uh, you want to be him. I feel like this this comic is doing such a good job of being like, yo, this world's fucked up that this car is. I do really like the art in this book in particular. I think Rypire's art and designs are great. The robot designs are great and very unique. This yes. feels like the sort of thing that should have been adapted from a toy line and forgotten 80s comic, but it's not. Mm. It's just an original thing. Very fun. Last but not least, Kill Your Darlings, number six from Image Comics, written by Ethan S. Parker and Griffin Sheridan, art by Robert Quinn. If you haven't, check out our live show for this week, where we talk to them about this very issue. What? Uh, This book is great. It's really good. Very tense. The danger is very palpable for all the characters in this issue. We're jumping back in time, getting a bit of an origin story to find out a lot more about what has been going on with this imaginary world and why our main character, Rose, is under attack. Really like this book. Really like Robert Quinn's art, like we talked about on the live show. 
What'd you guys this, think? This is a fucking intense Beep. issue, man. Uh, <laughs> this, um, that's the Roomba just turning on. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this is like, I, I'm worried because this issue made me really stressed out. I was very cool with where things were going and how things were looking for our team and what was going on. But when, there is some fucking intense, scary shit happening in this book that also has the most adorable characters imaginable. And when those evil people were just spoilers, but like reaching into brains, like I was like, holy fucking shit, this is insane and horrible in a lot of ways and you can't just be walking up on people and reaching in their brain that's fucking personal shit in there man mm. uh not cool that's what a podcast does it reaches right into your brain well i apologize to everyone uh i think the uh the art in this book is really next level in this issue especially um the yes. cover of this book is awesome the um and I said this on the on a, in our interview, but like well, then the don't way repeat that, it. the way that this book vacillates between the like really true horror and horrifying things, and then cute fuzzy animals being like, "What do we do? Hooray! Let's run!" Is uh that's hard to pull off because it's a big tonal switch and yeah, it's two it. comics in one, and it's got to feel like the same comic, and they do pull it off to agree with what you're saying, but what's Fucked up is we've been going from the happy place to the horror place, but then when you get to the happy place and the horror starts, re- that's where I'm like, I, 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 I'm too stressed out. I can't, I can't walk around with this. You know what I mean? Like the life is already too hard. I don't need this stress. Hmm. Well, great place wow. to leave it on. <laughs> if you would like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Facebook and YouTube. Come hang out. We would and love Dixon. to chat with you about comic books, Apple, <laughs> Spotify, Android, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show, but not Google Podcasts. Because, no. stop it, Pete, because that's going away at the end of March. Uh, I don't know. At Comic Book Live on Twitter slash X. Comic Book Club Live on Instagram and Dick Sock. Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast. You said it again. Oh my God, I can't believe it. Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, we'll see you at the Comic Book Club. It's pronounced Tick Tock. Uh, not, no, Elon Musk just changed it. <laughs> <laughs>